because this is my plan and I'm not straying from that plan. And I think that when you go into any race and you know, it's taken me a while to like learn this because you know, I've, I've run for a long time and I've had some great events and I've had others where I've completely uh, succumbed to a mental weakness. Mm. I was not gonna let that happen. Uh, it, it just was not an option for me. Um, I work in healthcare, so I know if I'm truly injured and that would have been the time where I stopped. And right. not just pain, because at a certain point, the pain does not worsen. It just mm -hmm. stays there and you have to dissociate yourself from that pain and get it done because that's, that's what you have to do if you want to be successful in right. anything in life. <laughs> Welcome to the Sasquatch Trail Runners Podcast, where every run is a trail party. I'm your host, Kim Levinsky, and today's episode is the recording from our Facebook Live on Wednesday, November 11th, 2020. We sat down with ultra runner Kaylin Hopkins to hear about how she set the first FKT, fastest known time, for the 144-mile double crossing of the New Jersey section of the Appalachian Trail. So sit back and relax or grab some pizza logs and hit the trails and enjoy the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Hopkins Pizza Log, the number one brand of pizza logs in the country. Looking for the perfect fuel while you're out on the trails? Look no further. Hopkins Pizza Log delivers the perfect ratio of carbs, sodium, protein, and fun to keep you running or hiking all day long. Now available at your local running store, so go out and pick up a few Hopkins Pizza Logs for your next long run on the trail. Welcome to the Sasquatch Trail Runners Run Venture Zoom series. It's been so long since we've seen you guys. We were just uh, up here on Sunday night with Michael Ortiz with a record-setting podcast with him and, and the Facebook Zoom. We went over two hours. It was so much fun. And uh, tonight we're joined by my friend Kaylin Hopkins, who's on the screen with me here. And we're going to be talking about her amazing FKT, which is the fastest known time for the New Jersey section of the Appalachian Trail, not just one way, but she did a double crossing, which is out and back, which gives it the number 144 for the FKT. She is the first person, male or female, to complete this FKT. You can check out her whole race recap on the FKT site. It is official. It is on there. And we're going to hear all about Kaylin. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to run through real quick um, our updates for Sasquatch because there are a couple an, uh, announcements that are very big from this past week. It's been a crazy week here at Sasquatch. Um, so real quick, my name is Kim Levinsky. I'm, I, I don't think I said that earlier. Um, we started hosting trail parties in 2018. We now have races all around the state of New Jersey. We have about 11 events on the calendar. Our next race is about two weeks away. It's on November 28th. This is where it got a little crazy this, this past week. Yesterday or the day before, Essex County dropped me an email and said that unfortunately they were revoking the permit due to the increasing COVID numbers in Essex County. And so after the little freak out moment, I uh, met with my team and we started reaching out to other local parks. So I reached out to our friends at the Union County Park System and we got approval very quickly for to move our race to the Wachung Reservation, which is in Mountainside, New Jersey. 
So that was really great news. We didn't have to cancel the event or move it virtual. So thank you to Watch on Reservation for uh, taking us in under your wing. We will be there on November 28th. Nothing is changing except for the location. Everything is staying the same. We're still gonna offer those two different start times at nine and 11 so we can spread out runners. And we're still offering 5K and 10K for both start times. And then finally, finally, I can share the official update on our ugly sweater race. This, this race took longer than normal to get all the details nailed down. So Morris County is the host for that. We were originally gonna go to the Malin Dickerson Reservation in Jefferson, but due to some trail conditions, they wanna move us to the Central Park, which is in, um, I think technically it's Parsippany, but it's kind of near Morris Plains. And we're going to use the Greystone 5K cross country course. So if you have kids who are involved in cross country, it's a pretty well known course in New Jersey. It is very fun. I ran it yesterday and um, there's a little bit of hills, not really too much, uh, too much uh, elevation, but I think we're gonna see some really fast times on this course. Uh, the director told me that the record on the course, I think is like 15 minutes and 30 seconds for the 5K, so it's pretty quick. Uh, but everything is now online on ultrasignup.com, so you can register for that event. It is a night race. It's an ugly sweater night race, so you're gonna grab your ugliest holiday sweater and put that on. You're gonna bring your headlamps, flashlight, and we're gonna start uh, after sunset when it's totally dark, 5.30 p.m. start time. Both events will start at 5.30 and we will get out there hopefully on a, on a great night. In the past, if you've been around Sasquad, you know that this event is typically at the Weiweyanda State Park in Hewitt, New Jersey, where we have traditionally have had horrendous weather. So we will see what happens for this race. Um, I really don't know what will happen based on the last few years with weather at Weiweyanda. So all that information is on ultrasignup.com. Just type in, um, if you start typing in Squatch, our events are gonna pop up because everything has uh, some sort of Squatch in the names. Okay, so that's about what wraps it up for our announcements. Um, oh, one other one that I can share with you guys is that we have confirmed our next Run Venture episode will be on November 22nd. That's a Sunday night at 8 p.m. And we have invited Maggie Guterro, Elena Costa, and Otto Lamb to join us. They are going to be chatting about their experience at Big's Backyard Ultra, which just happened a couple weeks ago. So Maggie was the runner and Otto and Elaine were her crew. And I got to chat with them last night on Zoom just for a quick planning meeting. And I'm telling you, it's going to be a blast to have those three on there. So, okay, that wraps it up for announcements. Kaylin, Kaylin, Kaylin is here. So we officially got to meet today in person for the yes. first time. That's yes, very cool. <laughs> that was so much fun. We were out at Bear Mountain um, with Elaine, Acasa, and a few other friends. We did a run to Tom O'Reilly's beautiful new plaque that's at Bear Mountain. And uh, that was very special to be there. And um, I was so happy I got to meet Kaylin. We both didn't realize that we were both gonna be there. And so we got to meet in person finally and catch up on the trails. It was a great run. Shout out to Don Weiss with the New York, New Jersey Trail Conference for putting together that loop. It was beautiful. Um, so the reason Kaylin is on our episode tonight is she completed the FKT fastest known time for the out and back on the New Jersey section of the Appalachian Trail. And I did share her blog link 
that had the recap of her experience on the Facebook event page. If you didn't get a chance to read that, I know you're going to hear from her tonight, but take a few minutes to read that. I'm telling you, it feels like you were right there uh, with Kaylin. When I read it, I felt like I was with you and I was like on the edge of my seat because there was some crazy stuff that happened <laughs> over the course of um, from start to finish. So yeah. I'm not going to share the details. That's going to be Kaylin's job to share um, her perspective. But you'll remember if you've been following us that Kaylin was one of our first guests on the Run Venture series because she shared her experience doing the rim to rim to rim at the Grand Canyon, which was a really great episode. If you missed that, you can scroll back on our Facebook page to watch the video replay or go on our podcast, which is now wherever podcasts are streaming, you can catch the replay. So Kaylin, thank you so much for coming on again. Thank you so much for having me again. <laughs> um, you know, I always gush all over like everything that you and your organization are doing so important uh, for the community, not just for runners, for hikers, all different levels, as well as um, the, the stuff that you do like for the community. So I just wanna, I'm so grateful for that. And I'm sure everyone else in uh, the New Jersey community is grateful as well because it's, it's just really special. So awesome. thank you for doing that. Thank you, Kaylin. I appreciate that. I really do. We've, we've been feeling this squatchy love, especially this year, you know, going back and forth between virtual and in-person. And um, we just have, it, it's, it's awesome to see the power of community. And I know we've talked about that before. So and I'm yeah. sure we're going to talk about it again tonight. <laughs> so, all right, let's start, I guess, at the beginning, right? So Let's talk about where did you get this idea, the inspiration to do this monumental FKT? Where did, where did it all start? Fill us in. Um, the New Jersey FKT itself was two weeks out in advance of doing it. Uh -huh. um, I had been uh, uh, planning just some sort of adventure for the summertime. I really wanted to focus on building my, uh, my mountain legs and um, I had a couple of uh, different plans that fell through, unfortunately, um, because COVID was spreading and all the states were kind of like going on lockdown. So basically, um, I knew that I had all this training I wanted to find a trail that was at least 100 miles long in New Jersey because I needed to, you know, we were a green state at that point and, um, and it needed to have what mountains or hills we do have in the state. So that kind of limited me to certain areas. Um, I, I thought of the Appalachian Trail. Um, it is only 72 miles. So what I decided to do was um, just do it as an out and back. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had taken it. Um, I work full time uh, and I had taken a week off of work and I really wanted to maximize my time and have some sort of adventure. And I think it's pretty cool that even though we're a relatively small state that there's still so much that you can do within this state. Um, so that's pretty cool. So I just, um, I had done some background on um, the trail itself. And um, if you go northbound, you're actually doing, uh, you're climbing. 
And then if you go from New York down to PA, it's actually going, I mean, you still have hills and you're still doing a lot of climbing. However, it's like a net decline. So that's, that was the strategy. Um, I had a, um, uh, Christine Sandvik, uh, she had been helping me build my legs and, um, I had spent all summer in the cat skills, um, really training. And so, um, I felt like I was trained up to a hundred miler. So the rest, the rest was just going to have to come from grit, so to speak. So, um, I read a couple of books and I really, um, I knew that personally for me, one of the biggest challenges was going to be, uh, my mindset. Um, mm. and so, uh, I really focused on, um, doing different, um, how should I say? I did a lot of like meditation, a lot of introspective type of yeah. work. <laughs> and um, just, uh, I did a risk versus benefit and tried to eliminate as much risk as possible um, with it only being two uh, weeks out from the uh, my vacation. Um, I decided I was going to do it on my own. It's a big ask to have crew and pacers. I was right. very lucky. I have a very generous friend, John Beck, who helped me with uh, getting to and from uh, the start area. So um, I'm always so grateful to him for that. Um, I've done a lot of hiking. Um, I've done smaller through hikes. So I had a certain level of comfort with doing it on my own. So um, the only thing that uh, that I felt was too risky was actually carrying all my food because I didn't know if I was going to run out. 144 miles is a lot, uh, not so much just weight based food uh, to be carrying, but also um, we're not talking about flats. Um, overall, I mean, I think I came just short of 20,000 feet of gain for the entire effort. Um, and, and the AT is not easy. It's rocky um, and there's lots of roots. So the, the, as the level of difficulty increases, you really uh, expend more energy. Right. Uh, little did I know that the weather was gonna turn around and slap me in the face and say, no, we're gonna make it harder for you. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I had stashed my food at what I felt I, I broke the course up in, uh, the mileage up into, um, three pickup spots. So that came to, I just divided the 144 by three came up with a round number of about 50 and, um, looked at, I used the gut hooks app to really help me navigate like what areas were um, accessible uh, to vehicles, um, to places where I could stash food, right. as well as shelters, just in case. Right. So that's, that's kind of how I came up with uh, the planning part of it. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So let's, let's talk a little bit more about planning before we jump into the actual traverse. I love asking runners when they're going on these you know, big traverses, what is in your pack? So I'm curious, what, how big was your pack? How much water did you carry? Did you filter water? All those details. I, I'm, I love hearing about that. 
Sure. So I spent all summer kind of like trying to find the perfect um, running vest or even a lightweight backpack. And I have like three or four that I never ended up using. And I stuck to my regular running pack, which was a Solomon uh, 12, 12 liter capacity one. I mean, I personally love their packs because there are so many pockets and they just stretch yeah. that nylon material. So you can just keep adding and adding and adding. The other thing that um, I carried because I still felt like I needed more pockets, I had a waist belt. Um, a Nathan or a Vapor Car uh, waist pack, which had space in the back, on the sides and in the front, um, about five pockets. Okay. So um, I'm all about the pockets um, yes. and also easy access because I didn't want to have to keep taking my vest off. I use a 1.5 liter um, bladder um, to carry water. And then I use a Katahdin B-Free um, filter. Um, and that was, I, I, I kept going back and forth. Did I want to use more than one um, bottle? I don't usually use bottles anyway. And I, I, I just wanted to minimize the amount of thinking that I had to do. So, so that's, I, not, that's not really too much water. So were you anticipating, you know, being able to hit refill spots? Was that yeah. why you're using that app to see where the I was, yeah, okay. I was anticipating always having water. <laughs> it didn't necessarily always work out that way. Um, but yeah, that, that was the plan. Uh -huh. um, so the other thing, um, nutrition, I uh, planned on for over 50 miles, ha uh, having about 4,000 calories worth of uh, fuel. Okay. So um I use Mountain Outback has these um, oatmeal ready to make oatmeal. And what's really great about that is you can use cold or hot water or room temperature. Mm -hmm. So um, that helped a lot. And um, it's two servings. So that was, I believe, uh, four to 600 uh, calories. Okay. Um, so I would start off each section with that in my belly. Um, I'm really, um, good with solid food. I'm like that with my trail running. So, uh, pizza logs. Nice. <laughs> pizza logs. I cooked, I pre-cooked everything. Um, so they're like the French red pizza. So 400 calories a piece. I had two of those that I would carry. Um, how did you pack that? I'm curious. Tinfoil or? Yep. Tinfoil. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Um, then I had wraps, just basic wraps with honey and peanut butter. Um, I had, uh, beef jerky and, uh, ginger aid, uh, gels. Okay. And I believe that was pretty much it. Um, so I also carried bear spray, which doubled as my protection, so to speak. Um, yeah. It's really strong. It has like a 40 foot reach. So you can just aim it towards the ground and it shoots up and um, that can work for any scenario. So that's very helpful. Um, I carried my light. Uh, I had a, um, oh, I forget what it's called. Uh, the Catula lights, uh, Catahoula, 
whatever it's called. Yeah, I don't know how you, like, Mack trucks. Yeah. Yeah, they're like Mack trucks on the trail. Um, yeah. And um, I, I had the number three battery pack. Uh, that's the, it gives you the longest period of time um, with the light. I believe like up to 20 hours. I don't have, uh, I personally feel that I don't have the best vision, but regardless, I keep it on the highest volume. So everybody knows when I'm coming. It's, it's one of those lights that when you're on your races, like the people coming in opposite directions, they're like, whoa, you're kind of blind. <laughs> um, but that's pretty light anyway. Um, and I believe that was it. Uh, my weight came to about 9.8 pounds for, um, that was with everything. And I had my cell phone because I, that's, I use the gut hook app. Um, via the cell phone. So, so I'm, I'm a mental note to try a, a pizza log on yes. run. <laughs> they're so good and they're so easy. Like you just slice them up and it's just yeah. food that you don't have to think about. Um, okay. So I just, uh, it worked. I used it over the summer. Oh, the most important thing, baby, um, baby sauce, um, applesauce. So I had applesauce, pomegranate sauce. I, that was like my savior because the okay. temperatures were so high. It provided a lot of hydration, including calories. So I bought like, um, the most calories I could get was like 90 calories per pack. Yeah. So I had a lot of those. I kind of use those like gels. Um, just like every, my strategy as far as eating was put something in your system every 30 minutes. Um, don't even think about it. Just every 30 minutes, put something in your system. So that was my, uh, strategy for that. Okay. So we've got the gear, we've got the nutrition hydration. So let's get into the, the traverse. So going into it, did you have any time goals in mind or was your goal to finish? What was your mindset for, for start to finish? Uh, I had an A goal, a B goal, and a C goal. C okay. goal is to finish. Yeah. Um, B goal was to minimize the amount of sleep time um, and finish within a certain amount of time. Right. And A goal was if everything was perfect, get under like, uh, you know, get really close to two days, like 48 hours. Okay. Uh, that's a pretty big ask considering the conditions that I had to endure. Right. Okay. Yeah. So those were my goals. Awesome. So for those of you who have been watching a few episodes, you'll know that I have really struggled with the comment, uh, <laughs> being able to see the comments. So today I have it on another screen so I can actually see the comments in real time. So I'm going to keep an eye on it. We've got a couple quick questions that I'm just going to ping at you because they're like, yes or no. So first one is from Michael Steiner. He wanted to know if you saw any bears. No. I you sound disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I was like ready for it. Bears in New Jersey aren't scary, really. <laughs> okay. All right, there you go, Michael. And then there's one from Michael Tucci wants to know, does the Gut Hook app work offline? Yes, absolutely. So I kept my phone on um, airplane mode the entire time. So it was very valuable. Awesome. And that yeah. helps, and, and that helps your battery of, life too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just want to also add that as you're using the gut hook app for every like waypoint or shelter, you have the opportunity to add your comment to it 
Um, so there were certain shelters where I knew there was a lot of water that stopped by like um, the trail service. So I kind of didn't have to think too much about that. Or I also knew shelters that I'd want to stay away from because they had rodents around the shelter. So you'd want to stay out like uh, like 20 feet away from the actual shelter itself. Okay. So it's really cool in that you can update it and kind of pay it forward as you're using it. That's awesome. Yeah. It's kind of like the app, uh, it sounds like Waze, the app Waze, you know, the driving directory. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like a bit of a yeah. Yeah. Tell you when the cops are around so you don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, okay. So moving along with, I don't think we, we, we said yet, what was your total time from start to finish? Uh, I think it was like 90 or 91 hours. 91 hours. Okay. And 144 miles on the AT. On the um, AT. All right. So let's start with day one. And yes. uh, what did that look like when, you know, did things go smoothly to start out? Were there any road bumps? What, what was the first 24 hours like for you? Um, so the week before the temperatures were down in the 80s, we had a really humid summer and that was starting to simmer down. So I was really excited about that. Um, a few days before the temperatures started spiking again. So day one, I believe it was between 90 and 93 degrees uh, with humidity. Yeah, um, so that was tough. That was really tough. Um, yeah. A good portion of the um, AT through New Jersey actually is on Ridgeline. So there's not a lot of uh, tree coverage. Mm -hmm. So that was challenging. Um, I started, I believe at 5.08 AM. No, I know what time I started. <laughs> and um, I, I was, you know, pretty cool. I um, just, I knew this section very well, like the first uh, five to 10 miles. So I just uh, kept um, getting through the mileage, not really thinking too much about anything, which included water. Okay. <laughs> and I actually ran out of water in the first um, 10 miles. Okay. So what ended up happening was I was actually on a ridge line. Um, I was coming off of uh, Raccoon Ridge and... Um, the, I, I checked out the app and I saw that there were a couple of areas where I could get water potentially. Um, however, the problem was that uh, the notes within the app actually said low, low water or um, contaminated water. So was, I was like kind of stuck. It just so happens that there were also uh, thunderstorms that rolled through, which I was kind of happy about. Um, yeah. I was desperate. I, I won't lie. Like, okay. I kind of started this all off on the wrong foot, but um, I was desperate. And um, so it, it was like one of those rain showers. I kind of like lifted up my head, opened up my mouth and was hoping to get some sort of hydration. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, it's really hot. I'm carrying these extra 10 pounds and I'm trying to like move yeah. at a decent pace. And I had to preserve my energy and slow down a little bit. So uh, what ended up happening was um, as the water was coming down, there's these huge boulders throughout the entire um, AT section. Yeah. 
I, as I was starting to uh, descend down um, the ridge line, I noticed that there was water collecting on these rocks. So um, I started paying closer attention and I noticed that they were dripping down. So there was like a little water source, not enough for me to collect anything. Yeah. But like I kind of just humbled myself, dropped to my knees, wrapped my mouth around the boulder <laughs> and just started sucking as much water. I think it was like a, a good five minutes I wasted doing that. but it got me to the next water area. And, right. you know, that's the thing with when you're doing this by yourself, you don't have crew or, you know, certain, certain luxuries of having people help you out. So you really have to make sure that mentally you're sharp and that right. you're thinking of any and all possible scenarios where you can just get yourself across the next mile, the next mile, the next right. mile, and keep going with all that. So um, that worked. It got me to uh, two miles further down. There was a creek that had all these frogs in it, and you kind of had to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I took my katahdin and really dug it down into like the mud and got the water in and just filtered it that way. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, it was the best tasting water because it was water, it was hydration. Yeah. So um, that was my first lesson in, okay, Kaylin, you really have to uh, think about these things, you know, yeah. because I, I I have to go for the long haul and I was not gonna deviate from that. Yeah. So um, that was my first lesson. Did you um, also have a filter on the bladder, like a Sawyer Mini, or were you just using the filter was the bottle? The filter was the bottle. Got yeah. It. Okay. Yeah. So um, what I did was I would fill up the, I believe it's one liter. I would yeah. fill it up and then uh, stream it into my bladder. Got it. So um, actually it's a half liter. Okay. Size of it. So the other thing that I ended up doing was I would keep it filled with water. Uh-huh. So now I have 1.5 liters plus another 0.5. So I, I was carrying two liters Got pretty it. much the whole time thereafter. Okay. So the next thing, um, I, I kept running the night before I, I only slept like two hours. My strategy was to bank as much sleep as possible. I don't know. This is new to me as far as that experience was as far as like multi-day uh, running. So right. my strategy was to bank my time. Um, sleeping so the night before I was so anxious that I only got like two hours sleep oh man <laughs> it was tough yeah so the first day you know I I really had to think about these things of keeping like homeostasis in my body I'm running through 90 degree uh humid days yeah and also I had this thunderstorm with my long hair it just kind of works like a sponge and so my hair was pretty much wet the whole time Mm -hmm. And then um, as the sun went down and it got colder, um, you know, I, I just, your body's just going up and down and up and down and you have to just make sure that it keeps functioning. You have to keep your mind sharp uh, right. because you have to be able to think through all this. So that was, that was fun. Um, as it got dark, you know, I had only slept about two hours. I had read a lot about hallucinations and I thought, oh, well, I'm a pretty intelligent person. I know <laughs> that if I see like a dinosaur or a giraffe, I'm in New Jersey, that yeah. it's a hallucination. 
But, but what I didn't realize is that it could be like so vivid and real. And, and for me, it seems like it was based off of past memories, stuff that I watched on TV. Um, I love horror movies. I love, you know, CSI, Law and Order, all that oh, stuff. Boy. <laughs> yeah, so I must have seen a documentary. Um, I don't even know how long ago. However, um, it was uh, Charles Manson. And, you know, if you oh, know my who word. he is, he <laughs> has these beady black eyes that just, it, it, they're soulless. Um, I was coming off of uh, High Point uh, Mountain, and and those that that part of the trail is really really tough. I mean, those boulders are at an angle, so you're not even walking straight, and they are large. So you're just uh, you know, and it's dark, but I've got my big Mac lights on. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm like good, but I I can see like all this hard work. So I'm coming off. And I uh, encountered my for, my first um, trail magic. So um, trail magic. Um, what I am what I found was that on the AT, there's a lot of trail magic. Um, it seems like uh, my experience, at least, was the people that live close to the AT. They really, really love the through hikers. So there was this big. Um, let me let me pause you right right here, real quick, and just. Fill people in on what, what is trail magic if they're not familiar with, with what it is. Yeah, so trail magic is when um, any individual leaves um, a certain amount of food or water or snacks for anyone that's on the trail. Um, so this was a big cooler strapped down with a belt for any potential bears, which I didn't encounter any. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, I'll never forget, I mean, it was still, it was probably like 70 degrees at this point but it was still super humid that there was this great power aid and I just it was like the best thing ever in the world um and you know by this point I have about 40 miles on my legs probably about uh six or seven thousand feet of gain which isn't too bad but you know I'm I'm feeling it I'm like all right so I've got some miles on my legs yeah so I crossed the road um, that, you know, the AT goes through certain towns. So you have to cross the road to continue going northbound. And I kind of felt like someone was watching me. I I had seen some deer uh, throughout the night. So I was like, oh, maybe it's the deer. No big deal. Um, But I just, I I kept having this feeling. So I I picked up my pace and I was like, I'm not even going to worry about this because my training is so solid. I've got the endurance, whoever it is, if there's a certain person trying to follow me, they'll get tired before I get tired. Right. <laughs> I really wasn't too worried about it. Um, but, I, you know, after what felt like about a mile, I still kept feeling this person following me and I would turn my head and feel like that person would shut their flashlight off. So it's oh, kind of like annoyed by that, but you know, I, I had a mission and nothing was going to stop me from that. Right. So I just, I kept going, you know, through some, some valley areas at this point. And I, I was getting annoyed uh, after a few more miles because like I kept turning around and kept feeling like this person was shutting their light off. And I was like, you know, this is getting really ridiculous. Like just yeah. show yourself, whatever. So I, um, 
I ended up getting my bear spray. I used poles the entire time that uh, I was on the trail and um, I took the safety off. So at this point I was starting to run with the bear spray and one of the poles in one hand just in case because at this point I was more mad that I was being followed so I was ready to spray the person <laughs> so I'm running and I'm kind of thinking to myself and I'm sure this happened in a sh very short period of time but you know when you're your mind goes crazy when you're right tired. right um so at one point I remember actually shutting off my light completely and turning around and I saw um a tree trunk and i i was like oh he's probably hiding behind there so this is the conversations going on in your head right? and this was real this was yeah. really real and i was very annoyed so at this point i was like all right let me just keep going and i tried to think back to when did i see this person last or you know who was it and that's when i remembered crossing the street looking back just being so grateful for that trail magic. And that's when this vision of Charles Manson, you know, looking all scraggly, probably in his like late twenties, early thirties, um, you know, someone that could potentially, you know, dangerously be on the trail. So I was, I, I was like more concerned. At right. this point. So I picked up my pace. Um, and then it was very wild because at a certain point I heard a twig kind of crack under one of my footsteps. Oh boy. And I was like, wait, I haven't heard this person really making much noise. Like I should be able to gauge just how far behind he is other than like turning around and looking at his light. Um, and it's amazing where our minds go that I already had assumed it was a male that was following me. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, so I started to slow down. I was like, you know what? I'll be able to hear him at least better. And then it was like a veil had slowly lifted and I realized what was going on. Yeah. <laughs> not real. And that was that was scary because I, you, you know, again, my priority was keeping my faculties intact because I could not right. allow myself to like go off on the wrong trail or get lost, potentially turned around or, or trip or fall off of one of the many uh, ridge lines I was right. on. So I was more concerned at that point. However, I was very happy to see that um, this wasn't real. Right. So, um, it, it was tricky though, because it, it just kind of went to show for me that, you know, a hallucination isn't necessarily like some purple animal out in yeah. the wilderness. It, it can be something that's very real. Totally. Totally. So, so that was probably a good indication you needed to catch some sleep. Is that what you tried to do? Like yeah, when, did you, yeah. when did you try to sleep for the first time? Yeah. So at mile 52, I was very anxious because I, I, I knew that if this was a real race setting, any amount of sleep that I had would be my competitor's advantage because they would keep going along, even if they're going at an extremely slow pace. Right. So I got about uh, two to three hours sleep around mile 52. Um, that's was that at a shelter or you just pulled off on the side of the trail? and? So that's where I had left my Jeep. 
Okay. And so again, this was me minimizing risk. I didn't want to just leave all my supplies out in the open and potentially get to them and either an animal got to my supplies or somebody decided to find a whole bunch of food right. and eat. And, you know, the reality is, is not everybody understands that when there's food stashed to the side, that that's part of a bigger picture. So for me to minimize my risk, I left everything in my Jeep and my Jeep was at mile 52. So I get to my Jeep, I restash everything and I gave myself like an hour to sleep, set my alarm, woke up. Um, and I was just like kind of sitting uh, along the tire, like just okay. back along the tire because I, was, I didn't want to get too comfortable. I ended up hitting the alarm a couple of times and got about two, two and a half hours sleep. Okay got up um, and, and started going at it again. Um, I did look at the weather and saw that it was gonna be another hot day. And this time I looked and I was like, oh, there's a lot of clouds. So there might be some rain, but the rain will be a nice respite. This was an incredibly hot day. Um, I think it was like 93 to 94 degrees. I remember these numbers because they were the bane of my existence while I was on the <laughs> this period of time. So um, I knew to uh, manage my fluids as best as possible. Um, so that was kind of a priority. And just to keep eating, like just... Right eating and eating and eating and, and going as fast as I could. Um, I was definitely more conservative on the, uh, on my way to New York because there's so many rocks. I didn't want to, uh, like injure myself yeah. and you know, there goes my plan. Right. So I was definitely more conservative on, uh, for the first, uh, 72 miles. Um, what ended up happening on day two, um, uh, it was extremely hot. I remember at one point, um, just before getting to uh, Stairway to Heaven, there's this really uh, great um, ice cream place that it really caters to tourists, but also to hykers. Mm -hmm. Probably the cleanest porta potties I've seen in my entire life. Nice. <laughs> and it actually says that on the Gut Hooks app. And I couldn't believe it until I went in and I was like, wow, this is like a hotel. Oh, get out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they also have a hose so you can refill. And the great thing is, is it's only about 50 feet off of Nice. So you're not going too far, straying too far off. Right. Um, I remember when I got there, it was like I was starting to, I felt like I was boiling from the inside out. It, it was so hot. Yeah. And just before you get to Stairway to Heaven, there's like, um, there's this long boardwalk area. And then there's these pastures where um, there's really cool horses on either side, but there's nothing. So yeah. While it's very runnable and I totally took advantage of that, I just started, I, I just literally felt like I was boiling. So I stopped off, got some uh, water. Uh, there was a gentleman that saw me and uh, he offered me a banana and an ice cold um, bottled water. Nice. Yeah. Um, it, it was glorious. You know, <laughs> it was, and I remember putting the bottle behind my head because you have at stairway to heaven, you have about, 
I don't know, five to 700 foot climb yeah. that's just these large boulders. Right. And, and there's, it's got a little bit of switchback, but it's a, it's a strong effort. Right. Um, so I had it on the back of my neck. I climbed it. I got through it and um, it, it, it is what it is. You know, I tacked off that hard section. I knew that that would be a hard section. Uh -huh. um, as I was getting closer to the New York border, the rain started. Uh, it was a thunderstorm, but what was really wild was, I'm gonna backtrack a little bit, is it wasn't just an ordinary thunderstorm. Um, I mean, it was a roaring thunderstorm. At this point, I was already in the Weiweyanda area. Oh yeah. And I- Of course you were at Weiweyanda with the thunderstorms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've heard your story, yeah. So the problem was, I remember seeing through my peripheral vision on my left side, thunder struck the ground. I, you know, it's hard to tell how far away it is. I remember thinking as I heard it, okay, I believe you have to wait uh, from the time that you see the lightning strike to the time that you hear the thunder and multiply that by miles. So this is what I'm thinking <laughs> in my head to try to minimize my risk right and and then as soon as that hit it's just the skies opened up completely. It, it was tough man then it turned to hail oh my gosh <laughs> yeah so um at this point i'm completely completely drenched in soap yeah incidentally you will not see a lot of, as a total percentage of hikers, because there were a few hikers going northbound still, um, yeah. toward, uh, you know, the, the through hikers that are doing the full 2,000 miles. I, uh, there was this girl, Emily, that I saw, and she, had, she was doing it all by herself. So I, I'm a chatter. You know, I like talking to people. <laughs> are you doing this by yourself? And she's like, yeah, yeah. And um so we shared a couple of miles and um, we were both kind of stuck in that situation. And I was really, I was like, oh, this is bad. This isn't just rain or dehydration. This is dangerous. Yeah. Five minutes later, I see the lightning strike on my right hand side, but there's still, you know, there's hail coming down. I had a plastic bag with, that I had just thrown on myself. I didn't bring any um, rain jacket because again, we're dealing with 90 degree days. Yeah. That's not going to help me. Right. And again, my hair was completely sopping wet. Right. Um, so it's, it's just the risk of hypothermia once the sun goes down and into the middle of the night, early morning hours is very real. So um, at this point, I was like, oh, what am I going to do? I ended up reaching out to one, the only friend that came to mind who lives kind of near that area, in my mind at least, was Jason Friedman. Oh, this, this was your phone a friend moment. That, that was totally my phone a friend moment. Um, yeah. And I called him. My phone was waterlogged. We could yeah. hear each other. And I was like, how far away do you live from here? And he's like an hour. And so I was gonna, I was like, maybe I can do like an Airbnb or a hotel. Cause you know, I'm a modern woman. So of course, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking 
hey, look, I'll just leave and come back. But I wanted to double check. And um, Jason, you know, he's done Leadville like a bazillion times. He's a strong trail runner. And I was like, if anybody's going to know, he'll be able to tell me. So I said, Jason, if I happen to go off the trail, even just to like get safe in shelter and dry off, will I be out of the running for this FKT? And he said, yes. Mm. So that settled it. At that point, I was willing to uh, stuff as much leaves down my shirt and just kind of cocoon myself in the ground to like get whatever heat I needed to and just let this pass. I remember running and hearing the splash. I mean, the the water, because it was kind of like a flash flood type of situation. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't up to my ankles, but it was definitely like deep. So of course this makes all of these huge boulders slippery. Right. So that's another problem. Mm-hmm. So, um, let me pause you right here. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the comments and, um, cool. Rebecca wants to know what were the dates on this for the, uh, for when you were oh. out there, um, for the, for the whole thing. Yeah. Um, this was the last week of August. So I want to say the 24th of August yeah. was when I started it and plus 90 hours. And I know why, I know why Becca's asking that. Cause she, she's like, um, she's on the dream team for Sasquad and that, that was around when we were out there for way way on though was the end of august for our run and we have it we have another runner who commented that was my first sasquatch event the full moon run at way way on unforgettable with heavy rain <laughs> so you've got yeah, some okay. listeners here who can who can identify with you we, we didn't have hail but i understand the flash flood uh experience out in that yeah area. it was it was really frustrating i'm glad i have somebody else that kind of understands <laughs> what i went through um you know, at this point, it, it was the water was so bad that like, even as I was trying to keep my cell phone dry, it just got completely waterlogged. The audio was choppy. So you know, I had to also think about this app that I'm using, right? The good thing was, is I was at this point, I was about two or three miles from the New York border. So retracing my steps was going to be easier. Right. Um, it, it suddenly stopped raining. And um, the great part about that was that I was like, okay, I, I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to yeah. do whatever I have to do because this is my plan and I'm not straying from that plan. And I think that when you go into any race and, you know, it's taken me a while to like learn this because, you know, I've, I've run for a long time and I've had some great events and I've had others where I've completely uh succumb to a mental weakness hmm. i was not gonna let that happen yeah. uh, it, it just was not an option for me right. um i work in healthcare, so i know if i'm truly injured and that right. would have been the time where i stopped and right. not just pain because at a certain point the pain does not worsen it just mm-hmm. stays there and you have to dissociate yourself from that pain and get it done because that's that's what you have to do if you want to be successful in right. anything right. in life. <laughs> anyway, um, so this so, point you're just about to the New York border, right? So you're you're about ready to turn around. Yes, I was soaking wet. I saw Emily, and I had told her what I was doing, and she was so cute. She uh, she was clearly much younger than me, like early twenties. She was like, "Oh, I just think it's so amazing," and she was very pro women and yeah everything. 
And here we go with more trail magic. Mm. She had dry clothes. She was going to bail and she decided to bail, uh, but she was going to come back to the trail because she had, um, she had like, you know, she's a through hiker. So she had a ton of stuff that needed to dry out. Yeah. So she gave me dry clothes and I only accepted it on the basis of me, uh, her allowing me to send it back to her once I finished. So it's funny. That's amazing. She took the clothes off her back. That's amazing. Pretty much. And speaking of back, we just both turned around. I was like, look that way. Just look out for somebody. And I literally stripped yeah. and put on dry clothes. Right, right. Because any little bit of wet uh, clothes, um, I knew that I would then be at risk for like really bad chafing. Yeah, right. Um, with with the night coming, I, uh, you know, I got to the border. Um, I asked her to take my picture as my proof because you have to have proof when you're doing these FKTs. Um, oh, did I lose you? No, we're still here. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. I don't think I see you, but that's okay. okay. Uh, any which way, um, you can see me though, right? Yep. You're good. Okay. Awesome. So basically, um, I get to the border and I go back, but I'm noticing that all these big rocks are completely wet and slippery. Hmm. So I knew that I still had another 20 miles that I, I needed to accomplish. And I was willing to run it through the whole night, but now we're talking about darkness. We're talking about, um, or impending darkness. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about now, um, not one, but two rock scrambles. So in order to get back to mile, this mile marker 52 that I had designated, I needed to make sure that, um, I got through stairway to heaven. And then also, um, there was another rock scramble, uh, that I would have to go through in a different area. Okay. So at this point, I was uh, getting a little frustrated. The air had definitely shifted and there was like a chill in the air. So uh, my, my socks and my shoes were soaked. My uh, baseball cap was soaked and my uh, Solomon pack was soaked. Oh man. <laughs> so yeah. So uh, what I did was I looked for, uh, I went on the app and was able to find the next um, shelter and I ended up uh, having a shelter in place. Um, and that was a very good thing because what I hadn't realized, and I realized it when, I, when the light started to uh, break through in the morning time, was that all, there were so many downed trees. Right. So not only am I going through this technical terrain, not only is it wet, uh, and not only am I like, again, going through these extreme high temperatures and low temperatures, but I have trees now that I literally had to like climb over entire trunks because I wasn't going to keep going around the trees because that was going right. to increase my mileage. Right. And that was not an option for me. Right. <laughs> okay. So now you've, you've turned around and what time is this is now it's during the night uh yeah it was night by the time i got to the shelter so okay. um i'll give you a little tip um when you're um on the trails this can be used for whether you're running or hiking if you want to know how much 
uh, light you have before it gets dark, you can easily just put your hand up, the four fingers, okay. and align your pinky with the uh, ground and see how much higher the sun is. If the sun is at the top of your index finger, that means you have one hour until- What? Yeah, so one hour until daybreak. Every finger is about 15 minutes. Get out of here. Yeah, try it out. I'm gonna have to try that. I yeah, got yeah. I got pizza logs, the four finger test with the sun. Yeah, yeah. So um, I have to say, like that night that I stayed in the shelter, um, I actually it, I got like about two or three hours of rest, and I started getting cramps in my groin area. Okay, and that was the worst um, because I did not know whether to like get into a ball or straighten my legs out. I was using my emergency blanket, which oh, was my intention the entire time. So I wasn't surprised by that, but right. I was using the emergency blanket to kind of cover me up, right. um, which created a lot of condensation. Um, yeah. yeah. So the next, uh, I, I got up like, gosh, maybe around three or four in the morning. I can't remember, but I start, um, walking and trying to run but right. my legs were not running okay and I was just I was a little demoralized from um you know wasting time with having to shelter in place earlier yeah. than my original yeah. plan right and this is where um again you kind of my experience dictated I, I, I just, you, you got to suck it up. You had okay. to make an alternate plan. Um, and that's kind of what I did, but I couldn't fix my mood. I had, I started out with a pizza log that was completely soaked through, but it didn't oh, matter. <laughs> yeah, it was calories. So right. I needed the calories. And so I just, at a certain point, it's, you know, I think that with these endeavors, when you're trying to be as efficient as possible, it isn't about eating the most delicious food. It's about right. what your body can tolerate and getting those calories in. Yeah. So um, what I ended up doing was um, I, I just, I, I, I vividly remember this point. I, in my mind, I wanted to run, but my legs did not want to run. And I just yelled at the top of my lungs like I yeah. felt in my chest I was like shut up legs <laughs> and I mean I know it's very dramatic and you know that was the farthest thing that I wanted to do I wanted to be very right. like, even keeled throughout the entire process um or the FKT but like I kind of lost it there for a minute but I have to say like I felt so much better and I started running that's awesome <laughs> yeah so that was a good thing um now, again, this, I, I had to shelter in place early and I had all of my batteries and supplies right. 20 miles away, or at this point, about 16 miles away. Um, took me a little longer to get those 16 miles because of all the down trees and because this, the ground was still somewhat wet. So again, right. with the slippery rocks, but I kept chugging along and then I had a spot tracker uh, -huh. uh or uh, got i'm sorry an in reach um it died Ooh. so one of the things with the fkt is you have to document that you have to show proof that you're doing what you said you were going to do right 
So um, at that point, I was very nervous. So I reverted to my uh, watch. Mm -hmm. um, so I was like, it's okay. You know, I've got my watch for backup. And I remember my watch was at about 17, um, 17%. Oh man, everything's draining. <laughs> I have an old watch. And um, I, I, I was just nervous and I was trying to get through it. The weather was a little bit more cooperative at this point. Um, so I was very grateful for that. But I remember like, even though I was able to like, um, get through that one part where I had to like yell and get just get my frustration out of my system. Um, I had another point and I think this is where like, again, I, I tried my very best to just stay mentally sharp. I, um, my mood was just low. And I remember specifically because I was in the Walk Hill Valley area and there's like this section of about a mile, a mile and a half that's flat. Mm. I, I personally don't enjoy running flats. I really love, um, mountains and hills, you know, that's, yeah, why, yeah. that's why I chose this, um, trail system. But, um, I remember, so this area specifically is very well known for birders and there's the, you know, these cameras that are like the size of my torso, super expensive, probably cost more than my Jeep and everybody, <laughs> you know, it's like its own little culture. And I remember like, I just slowed to like a, a, a fast walk, but I remember my shoulders kind of being hunched forward. And I remember my baseball cap being like pretty low over my eyes. And I was, I was looking at them and thinking, oh my God, I must look like such a like scumbag, like pure hiker trash, whatever. You know, I, I was doing that negative self-talk. Right. So I remembered, all the practice that I had put before this. And I knew that negative self-talk was not a good thing. So I allowed myself one minute. I didn't get over it two minutes and I, I just stuffed more food in my mouth and that's yeah. lifting my mood and I started running. Mm -hmm. But like, that was probably, you know, it was a wake up call because I was like, wait a second. So I've had two low moments. This cannot happen. You have to get it together, Kaylin. I did a lot of talking to myself, yeah, I was, yeah. like, my own crew, my own pacer. And like, I was literally cheering myself on as if I was doing it for someone else. Right. That was just another strategy that I use. Um, awesome. so I, um, and it worked, thank goodness. So I ended up getting back to my mile, uh, 52. I, um, I had to waste some time, uh, but I, I, uh, had to recharge my watch, my phone, um, as well as the in-reach. Um, I ate as much as I could because I, I felt like maybe I was in a deficit at this point because my mood was so up and down. Yeah, yeah. Um, Is this around, I'm trying to do the math in my head, is this around like 120 or so? Because you said this is your 50 mile mark, that's where you dropped the Jeep, right? Is yeah. Yeah, and that's where I had all my stuff. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head right now, okay. um, but it's like 50 miles north of, you know, like PA and right. 20 miles short or 22 miles short of New York. It, was, it wasn't a, like a main highway. I was definitely like on a secondary road okay. in like farmlands. Got it. Okay. 
but at this point so then this wait so this would mean that you had 50 miles left then right to finish yeah okay yeah yeah right, there we go cool. yeah I was really psyched about that um and once like I got um enough nutrition and got all my batteries um recharged I was ready to go and so yeah. that was the plan but again you know so now I've been doing about 16 miles. So I'm, I'm into somewhere midway in the day. Um, the weather wasn't too bad, but at this point, my body, it was really kind of hard for me to like keep everything even keel because now I've got two days of running in 90 degrees, getting soaked, getting cold at night. Um, and you know, just the regular wear and tear from long distance running. And you know, we're not running on flats. It's, you know, like, moving your whole body and climbing around things. So my body, I mean, I definitely wasn't at a hundred percent, but it, it was my goal in my mind to get back to that point. Right. So what I did is I decided to go as far as I could, um, before it got dark. Um, because I, I really wanted to run during daylight in the section where I had envisioned this person yeah. um, following. Right. right. Yeah. So, um, and, and it, I did that and it was great. So um, as I saw the sun starting to go down, so I just did like the quick math with my fingers and trying to debate how much time do I have. I looked at the app, looked at uh, what shelter was available. Mm-hmm. And it was a shelter right in High Point, okay. um, but past the point where I had seen like this scumbag Charles Manson. <laughs> yeah. but I, that was all behind me. Um, I do re- remember uh, looking at the app and that shelter actually, um, some people had noticed that there were mice in the area, but at this point, so I had a one track mind. Mm-hmm. I needed to get it done and nothing was going to stop me. And I needed to have a sharp mind. So in order to get it done, my mind needed to be sharp. So I decided that once the sun set, I would grab a couple more hours sleep yeah. um, in the shelter. And um, that's what I did. There were two other um, through hikers actually. And it's really cool because at this point in the direction I'm going, I'm seeing through hikers that are going southbound uh, towards Georgia. But this is like really late in the season um, to do it. Uh, there's like this, this bubble that they talk about where there's like a lot of through hikers that, you know, they go through the, um, along the trail system. Um, but any which way, my point is that this was pretty late. Um, but it was a woman and a man, two separate people. Um, I just said, look, I'm going to be getting up extremely early. I don't want to bother you guys. Um, and they were like, yeah, no problem. So I ate my pizza log and we actually, uh, me and the one guy, I thought it was really cool. It was with this really young kid. Um, and I, you know, again, with the talking, because I just have to know everything about everyone. Um, (laughs) he was actually taking a gap year from uh, high school to college. And I was like, wow, what a great time. Very to cool. Yeah. yeah. So it was pretty cool. Um, so um, again, I did my whole same setup. Um, I'm very minimalist. I can sleep pretty much anywhere I want to. Um, I don't need a lot of comfort. Yeah. So I would use my sneakers, put take off my baseball cap, put it over the sneakers and uh, put my Solomon pack 
over that and that served as like a pillow somewhat and also kept my face away from the ground right um and then the other thing was that and then I just had my um emergency blanket and by emergency blanket just to make it clear in case people um aren't familiar with what I'm talking about you know like when you're doing a road run and at the end of like the New York City Marathon those aluminum sheets that is an emergency blanket so that's what I was using um and it was it worked perfectly fine again the temperatures were so hot and it was so humid that that's all I needed I you know the goal is to get from point A to point B in the shortest amount of time. So luxury is not something that I was concerned with. Mm. I remember at one point um, hearing, I don't think it was a hallucination. I think it was real, but I had seen on the gut hooks app, this thing about mice. I could have sworn that I heard a mouse like kind of <laughs> in there. Yeah. And I just automatically just slammed my hand on the boards <laughs> and silent. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, that was my only real animal close up close animal encounter. So, wow. <laughs> you know, I, I wanted bears. I didn't get bears, but I saw a mouse and, you know, it was pretty damn close. So um, that's awesome. Yeah, I got up really early um, and just kept chugging along. By this point, I think I had like 110 miles on my legs, but um. I, I, again, when I start, I look at the temperature and this was going to be actually the hottest day. Mm. Um, so 94, 95 degrees and, and these, yeah, little one and two, um, degree differences between each day. But the thing is, is, you know, that matters when you're exhausted, one degree matters, you know, rain matters, all this, you know, you have to stay focused and, all of those things are just like strikes against me, just yeah. trying to like make me lose. And I was not going to lose. Right. So, um, so I had my last, uh, I guess 40 miles left and I was, I was focused. I planned on running as fast as I could before noontime because of the intense heat that was going to be coming. Right. Um, also, because I did this self-supported, I had the ability to not only accept gifts from strangers as far as food or fluid, but I could also take advantage of any um, stores that were open. Mm-hmm. So I knew that the AT Deli was open. This is out by Culver's Gap, but it closed at two o'clock. So that was another incentive for yeah. me to move quickly. Right. Um, and so this is the part where I felt like I just, it was like no holds bar. I was running over the rocks. I was allowing, um, you know, I was ignoring the pain from like the jagged edges of the rocks under my feet, you know, under the sneakers, but at a certain point you feel it, you feel everything after a hundred miles. Right. Right. So, um, I was just running with abandon. Um, I was not going to let my brain like trick me. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like, here's Kaylin and here's her brain and you're not winning. Right. So, um, so I put on Taylor Swift. She had just come out. Yeah, you did. (laughs) It's, you know, like, look, it was happy. Very simple. I don't have to think. I put the whole album on three times in a row and I was I love it I didn't care who was hearing me sing 
I was just gunning for it. I was going, I needed to get to the AT uh, deli. I wanted some uh, like real nutrition other than these pizza logs and, and these apple sauces and everything. And I got there and I was so happy. So right. for some reason, I thought I'd only have about 20 miles left, but I had about 30 miles um, to get from the AT deli to actual, to the actual PA border. And so what ended up happening was um, I, I just did the best I could. I was definitely heavily relying on my poles at this point, whereas before I was just kind of carrying them. Um, prior to starting this, I had used a, I was training religiously on all my long runs during heat and humidity with a 20 pound weighted vest. Yeah. And the were really nothing. Right. Um, and I was definitely over, you know, the, the strength that I gained from you using that as a strategy was so useful. Mm. Um, but now I, I'm, I'm like, I remember between mile, I guess like 120 to 125, I was just like, everything was starting to kind of feel heavy. Right. And I remember about two miles of just really slowing down. I, I just, I didn't have the, like the gumption to keep like running. So I just did the best that I could. Um, music was off and uh, just a lot of self-talk. I was like, you know, you've come way too far to, yeah. you know, slow it down. So at this point, um, I was looking at the time and I remember around two or three o'clock, I was like, oh man, I really wanted to end during daylight, but I don't think that's gonna happen, but let me just keep trying. So I'm running, I'm running, um, you know, I there was another, uh, you know, light rain, thank God, but I remember all these uh, red newts littering the trails. It was oh just, yeah. It was like a religious experience or something because, you know, they, they appeared neon in color against the brown soil right and I just you know I wanted to, again with keeping the mind sharp I was literally talking to all of these red newts as oh, I'm yeah. running and I'm saying hello hello hi and I'm like speaking to them in different languages and uh emphasizing different parts of good morning and, and good night and uh, just to make the time pass. And it's wild where your mind goes. Did any of them um, talk back? Huh? Did any of them talk back? I wish. <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, at this point, I was. there were a lot of snakes um, out. This was the first time that I guess I had noticed. I mean, there were some pretty big snakes. I think one of them is on my blog uh, post. And I mean, it was a big boy. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 I had stuff to keep my mind preoccupied as far as like not stepping on the red newts, watching out for snakes and keeping on going. So, you know, ticking off the miles, ticking off the miles. So now I have about 10 miles left. I'm in the dark. I'm on, I'm back to Rocky, uh, Raccoon Ridge. Uh -huh. What's beautiful is that you can see everything to either side and you can see the lights from the towns. <laughs> what wasn't so beautiful is that I could also see lightning storms from very, very oh, far. No. <laughs> um, and all I wanted, I wasn't so much worried about another thunderstorm because I felt like my risk was pretty low. However, I just didn't want it to rain because like, again, I was going to have to deal with these wet 
rocks that I'm like yeah. climbing all over. Um, again, I'm at 10 miles and, and I just want to finish. I, I just, I wanted, I knew I had reached out to Beck and I said, Beck, this is my ETA, uh, be ready. And he was so cool. He was like, I've got an ice cold soda for you. All right. <laughs> Was it a Coca-Cola? It was a Coca-Cola. Good. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, that was just the best thing in the world. So I had like that, that goal to go towards. Right. Um, I just got, I hit mile 130 and my body was just doing all sorts of weird things. I, I, I'm pretty sure that I was going at a very slow pace, but in my mind, I was running. Okay. I got to this area called Sunfish Pond. I'm, I don't know if you've been there. Yeah. But the AT section of it is actually these huge boulders that are actually hip height. It's a glacial pond. So uh, that's the remnants of it. So these massive boulders, you really can't walk in between them because they're just piled on. So you kind of have to walk on them and I remember hearing my poles clack against the rocks yeah and it was like I'm sure if somebody was looking at me they would have thought this girl is drunk because my <laughs> arms were noodly, my legs like I'm sure I look like a marionette or something right I just didn't want to fall and like scrape the skin off my legs. Yes. And, and I was so close at this point right. I've got like five miles left and it was so bad. I mean, my body was just like giving out. I had run out of water, but I was able to scoop again some more muddy water. And it, oh. at this point, um, I just, I only filled my 0.5 ml um, Katahdin uh, um, handhelds because I was like, I've only got like seven or eight miles left. Right. I, I was like, I'm just, I'm whatever. If I get Giardia or anything else, it's going to happen once I'm done, but I am getting this done. Gotta, gotta finish it. Yeah. So this section of the AT along this, uh, along the pond is maybe under a mile. I want to say a half mile to three quarters of a mile long. It took me an hour to get through it. That's, how exhausted my body was yeah yeah i have to tell you in the chat jessica samoa who was just on the at said that's the worst part of the at in new jersey and yeah. uh, jason friedman just said swimming in that section is easier than running <laughs> yeah. don't think that wasn't a thought that didn't go through my mind but there's plenty of snakes in there too <laughs> It, it was just, it, it was like ripping your heart out and just like shredding it and throwing it to the side and jumping. Uh, on it. it just breaks your heart. At this point, I've got like 138, 139, uh, as so far as close. I was tired, but I knew that I needed to get done because Beck was waiting for me and I right. did not want to keep him waiting. It's nighttime and I, it felt so hot. But it really wasn't that hot. What was happening was the beautiful thing about this course, if there's anything beautiful, there's lots beautiful, but when right. you have all those miles, you have to really think hard for the beauty. Yeah. The last five miles, 
is relatively, um, it doesn't have that many rocks. It still does, but they're like smaller rocks and uh, it's runnable and it's downhill. Yeah. So I'm running and I remember this is really gross, but just for straight up honesty, I was so soaked from sweat the steam was coming off me oh, yeah. and I had so much sweat that as I was like running drips, like little splashes of drips of sweat was coming off my uh, running vest. Oh yeah. It was bad. <laughs> but you know what? I didn't care because I was getting done. You know, yeah. that's all that mattered to me. Right. Um, I get down to the very last mile, maybe mile and a half is road. And so I was like, oh, this is great. I'm, I am running. And I was, I think I got down to maybe like a nine or a 10 minute mile. And that wow. is fast with 140. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I was like, I'm flying. <laughs> and I was just so happy. And I was like, I'm getting this done. And, and screw you, AT. You didn't get yeah. <laughs> where my mind was at. Now, um, it was so this, if I could have like a highlight of anything, it was this. I had, you know, these last five miles, I pushed myself to a point where I never had in a race setting. Mm. Like sometimes you watch these trail uh, videos and it shows like these elite athletes just like ready to pass out on the trail and they've given every single ounce yeah. And I got to experience that for the first time in my life. Right. I, I just, I, I gave every, everything in me yeah. to accomplish that. The very last, I would say maybe 0.2 or 0.3 to get to the PA border, you have to climb the bridge. Right. It's like a slow incline. And there's this guy standing, like he's like leaning on the wall. And I'm like, oh, cool. Beth brought a friend. How awesome is that? And um, so I start to pass this guy and I'm like, oh, hey, you know, because I smell pretty bad. So I was like, let me keep my distance. And the guy said, hey. And um, I guess he realized that I didn't recognize him. And then he goes, hey, baby. And it was my husband. Oh, man. Gut <laughs> check. You have to realize my husband is incredibly conservative. He doesn't come to a lot of my races. I mean, and that's perfectly fine because I'm fine yeah. doing everything on my own. Yeah. Um, but to, that was like such a surprise. I was just like, I, I, I still can't put it into words. Yeah. But so, you know, of course I have to show off and I really had to sprint. <laughs> <laughs> so I sprinted that last section and, and, and finished that like uh, 108 or 109 in the morning. Um, wow. So that was, that was my, my adventure um, is, is amazing. I, I'm, I'm grateful to have a body that allowed for that. And I was really happy that I could like separate my mind <laughs> and, yes. and just like have those conversations with myself. It's amazing. 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 Yeah. I did see uh, one comment from John Beck and he says that the backseat of my car still smells. <laughs> I believe it. I've never smelled that bad. <laughs> I believe, I apologize. I was like, it's bad. <laughs> yeah. 
awesome. Yeah. Um, guys, if you are listening, you can start dropping your uh, additional questions into the live chat. I'm going to ask Kaylin probably two more questions. So you can start typing them in. Now that I have the comment thing down, I can see you putting them in real time. Um, so Kaylin, got to ask, I love asking everyone who comes on to our series, how did this experience change your life? Because it, it, it had to have, I mean, 144 miles, 90 plus hours. Um, yeah. And I'm putting you on the spot, but I'm sure you've had time now. It's been, you know, a couple months now to kind of debrief and, and decompress. So yeah. what, uh, what, what would you say if you had to put it into words? How did this experience change you? Um, I mean, it, it's cliche, but you, you find that you're stronger than you think you are. But um, one thing happened in those last like 30, 40 miles, I had, you know, been working on the front line with COVID patients and I hadn't realized how much of that stress was in me yeah. until that section where I'm just like running with abandon and it was like so therapeutic. It's like mm -hmm. I was shedding all of the stress and like emotional trauma from everything that had been going on for three, four months in the hospital. And it was just, it, it, I don't know how to put it in words to give it justice, yeah. but it was like this total transcendental experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, you know, I'm not trying to get sappy, but it just, it is what happened. And it yeah. was like, as I was running, it was like layers just kind of falling off. And when I finished, like, I mean, as destroyed as and exhausted as I felt like I felt so whole on the inside. Mm. So that that's what I really, I'll never forget like that. And, you know, I, I we've talked behind the scenes and, you know, I, I plan on doing something in the future, but you know, it, it's, it's, it's changed like the trajectory of where I want my career to go and what I want to do. So, so we did talk about this, uh, behind the scenes on, um, an idea that you had. Do you want to chat about that? I'll, I'll hold off. <laughs> okay. You want to hold off? No problem. I'll hold off just until I have it like solidified. You got it. You, you got know. it. You got it. No sweat. No sweat. Um, okay. So if you have any other questions here, I can type it into the group, uh, the live chat here. Um, Jessica Samoa also just said, um, I think you've convinced me that self-supported is better. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, um, when, when you do something by yourself, you realize that, um, you, it, you, you know, there, there's things that you can do to, they're all just little roadblocks and there's ways to like get around those roadblocks and yeah. with the right training, it's totally doable. I mean, I'm, I am an experienced trail runner. I, you know, so it's not like I, I've had failures in the past that I knew how to get uh, it, you identify them and get past them. Right. But yeah, self-support's awesome. Right. Okay. looks like we have two questions. From well, you know Dana, Dana from uh, down by yes. you, Dana Chin. How are you? Uh, Dana wants to know gear selection. Anything you were missing or found to be unnecessary? No, because I had everything uh, dialed in. 
Um, I carried poles the whole time and I wouldn't have changed that. Um, oh, I did switch um, from Hoka's to Ultra's mm. um, one month before going out there and it was a great decision. Which, uh, which Ultra's did you run in? Lone Peaks. Lone Peaks, nice. Yeah. Awesome. All right, John Beck wants to know, how long did it take for you to recover? Last weekend, I did my first 17 mile run <laughs> and my body was still destroyed. Um, afterwards, the immediate after part, I think from stepping, like running with abandon and just like destroying my feet, um, my legs were like so wobbly, just like walking and I had pins and needles from like my knees down. I couldn't feel my feet. It took about two weeks for me to get through that. Um, and then I just, I could not run like I, I could, but it was just yeah. so tiring. So I've just kind of built myself up. My sweet spot when I'm not training for anything is about 30 miles a week and I'm there now. So it's taken about two months. Awesome. And we've got another question this is from Nicole Werner wants to know what is your next adventure? Um, so I, um, I plan on redoing this um, same route without sleep. So I'm really like, uh, as the time gets closer, I plan on um, really focusing on like whatever studies are out there and what I can do to like minimize my need Mm. Um, there, there's, there's gotta be a way there always is a way and I plan on finding it. And that's just, um, you know, I, I plan on like blasting through that in the summertime as a stepping stone to, um, another path that I'm looking at. It's, um, a little over 300, um, miles and that is the next goal for next September. And races if they come back like ultra races i really want to you know like i want to run with my friends mm -hmm. i want to meet people i miss the trail yeah. community um so yeah those are my plans right now awesome awesome all right looks like those are all the questions in the chat i'll ask one last one this will bring us to about 9 30 i think so what advice would you give to someone who's maybe listening to this they've got perhaps a dream in the back of their mind, in the bottom of their heart, something that they want to tackle, maybe whether it's an FKT or a longer distance, maybe a new distance for them. What advice would you give? What would be, you know, a couple of top, top little uh, tidbits that you give them in terms of like going out and accomplishing that goal? What did you, what did you find that would be helpful to, to share with them? Um, I'm just kind of like a trial by fire kind of person. So I've done a lot of things that are not good. Um, you gain a lot through experience, but um, doing your research, I'm forever, I'm a huge reader. Um, and so I read a lot about like, my sport of choice is trail running, but I take things from other sports. Mm. Um, because there's different strategies from like triathletes and, and hikers and, um, kayak rowers. So you, um, I read a lot of, uh, strategies from their perspective. Um, and I find that to be helpful. I read a lot of blogs and if, when it comes to FKTs, you can't approach it like a race, mm. uh, you have to be your own race director, um, 
and uh, ask people who have done like certain trails, even yeah. if they haven't done the entire thing, there's things that just aren't written that you're not going to know about until you actually experience it. So if somebody else has experienced it, that's like good data right there. Right. Awesome. Um, I saw Dana snuck one more in. So she wants to know, what's your favorite trail in New York or New Jersey? Um, probably my home trail is Bald Pate. Uh, it's about 20 minutes from the house. I can get the elevation that I need. And that's where I do most of my training. Um, I spent a lot, I think maybe about six or seven uh, different trips up to the Catskills Devil's Path. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really enjoy the technical aspect of that trail. Um, it just, you know, the more you do it, the better you get skill wise. So I guess like those two, but bald pages because it's so close. Like I'm always there. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, well, Kaylin, this has been phenomenal. Absolutely squatch-tastic as we like to say here. Um, no, I have to say a personal thank you to you because um, you've definitely inspired me to, to go out and do more solo adventures on my own. I know we talked about this. I did my first yes. solo trip to Vermont a few weeks ago and I was just, I think I just felt so much confidence from hearing your story and, um, you. you know, selfishly for me, this, this whole run venture series has been so great. Cause I've gotten to talk to so many amazing, amazing people and particularly amazing, strong, independent women. And, um, you are one of them. You totally have inspired me to, you know, dream big. I know you've said it sounds cliche, but it's a really awesome thing to surround yourself with, um, you know, just a really awesome community. So I have to say, thank you to you for that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, like once you see other people doing it, like once you see yourself in someone else, there yeah. are women who have inspired me that are so like incredible and they're just locals. And I'm just like, wow, like the power in them in the fearlessness. And it just takes like seeing somebody else that you can kind of envision yourself. Like sometimes it's hard. We see these really amazing elite athletes and it's, um, you know, it's like, wow, but they have, they're amazing. They can do that because they're special. But right. I think for me, at least when you can see like little pieces of yourself mm. uh, reflected, it's like, I could do that. Yeah. And, you know, I'm always an open book. So if anybody ever has questions about any of the trails that I've done, you know, I always like pay it forward because it's awesome. been paid forward to me. That's awesome. That is so true. So um, we are going to load this recording onto our podcast in the next couple of days. So if you missed it, you can catch the replay on, you can find us on Spotify, Google Play, Apple will be on there. And if you want to watch the full video, you can also catch it on our Facebook page. It'll be up there. If you want to learn more about Sasquatch Trail Running, you can find us online, sasquatchtrailrunning.com. Facebook is Sasquatch Trail Running, Instagram, Sasquatch Trail Runners. And I'd encourage you, if you're a local runner looking for community, join our Facebook group, the Sasquatch Trail Runners. We do weekly shout outs for people who can, if they want to meet up on the trails. And this is all paces. We're really passionate about inviting runners and hikers all ages all paces to join us um and that about wraps it up so kaylin thank you again this was fantastic 
Thank you so much. I look forward to listening to all of your thoughts. Uh, you do a, a tremendous job and I, I can't Thank wait you. to see the next one. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, guys. So until we see you again on the trails, keep it squatchy.